Welcome to She's Wild, the podcast for women in land and development. I'm your host, Nancy Surak. I created this podcast as a way to collect conversations of women in the land and development industry. I've been a land broker on the West Coast of Florida for nearly 20 years, and I love to empower other women and to tell them about this amazing industry. But I find often that there just aren't enough women being featured on big stages, whether that's at local conferences or nationally. So I set out to find these women myself that are killing it in my business across North America that are changing the communities that they live in every single day, whether they're building condos, multifamily, single family, office or industrial projects. I hope that you will find this space to be inspirational, motivating, and educational. From time to time, I will feature women who are not only in my business, but also career coaches and motivational speakers. Today's guest is Tanya Target Camacho. I invited Tanya onto the show today so that we could get into a little bit of a taboo topic, money and financial freedom. Tanya and I are going to get into three things that all of us can do right now, starting today, that will help us achieve financial freedom. Tanya, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I can't wait to get into our conversation. But before we do, I would love for you just to take a minute to introduce yourself to us today and tell us a little bit more about your career story and how did you end up where you are right now? Yeah, sure. Awesome. And thank you, Nancy. Uh, such a such a privilege um, to be here with you and looking forward to sharing some really great actionable tips uh, for your audience as well. Um, so my background, I'm actually uh, a former investigative news journalist. I'm an award-winning news journalist. And um, I used to send really, really bad guys to jail. So my specialty was uh, terrorism and pedophile priests and corrupt politicians. Um, and, you know, you always kind of the same in business. You always want to start with the end in mind. And so I went into journalism many, many years ago. The end in mind was always to be an investigative news journalist. And when I achieved that, I was kind of looking around thinking, you know, what's next? What's next for me? Um, and so I moved into um, the public relations sector and I started teaching small business owners how to get on TV, how to get into magazines and newspapers, and also how to share their story from stage. And it was very successful and very, very powerful. But what I noticed was that a lot of my clients weren't necessarily monetizing their products. They had a lot of financial struggles. And um, a little over 12 months ago, my husband actually said to me, hey, listen, you know, I've been, and we talked about this for years about moving to the financial services sector. And I had to really do a big, long pause about that because my expertise and my experience had always been about the passion of the story and helping people find the best aspects of their story. So I meditated on it for a while, for quite some time. And then it just kind of suddenly hit me. Instead of coming in at the tail end where there's that sad story and the, and the story of the rebuilding, what if I could come in a little bit earlier and I could help rewrite some of that story and make a difference uh, in that financial story? And I started doing that and saw such amazing results and had such amazing impact in people's lives so quickly, I actually just pivoted full time and threw my whole heart into helping people write their financial stories. Fantastic. I can't wait to get into the financial conversation. Um, I grew up from very modest background and uh, we weren't dirt poor. 
but we were not anywhere close to upper middle class whatsoever. Um, and so my relationship personally with, with money and finances, I think, is different than a lot of people. And I look at uh, financial freedom and financial literacy different than a lot of people. Um, but for those of us in the room today, I would love to get your take on how do you help your clients, in particular women, and their families rewrite their financial stories? How, where do you start and how do you take them through that process? Yeah, well, financial, you know, there's there's several things we're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table, right? We're not supposed to talk yeah. about politics, but we do. We're not supposed to talk about religion, but we do. And we're not supposed to talk about finances, and we don't. It's kind of one of those taboo topics. So the first thing that I do when I'm helping women and I'm helping families is firstly making it a a safe place because there's a, Nancy there's so much shame around money and there's so much shame around educated women not being set up for financial literacy and you know not at least nine times out of ten when I sit down with someone they'll say to me I should have known better I should have done this sooner I just have had my head in the sand and so I, I, I encourage people like the first step in financial freedom is to forgive yourself right it's not your fault this financial literacy is not something that we learn in school. There's only half a dozen schools in the country that actually have a financial literacy subject as a requirement to graduate. So how do we learn this? And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have our experts. And, you know, a client of mine, you know, in my in my former life, in my, in my PR life, she actually had a lot of shame around this because she was a global auditor working. She was a, a female vice president at a financial accounting firm working with millions and millions of dollars. Yet her private life, her finances were in total ruin and she actually had to go bankrupt. And she said to me, you know, I feel so ashamed. She's got goosebumps. She said, I feel so ashamed going on stage, teaching people how to take control of their finances when I went bankrupt. And I said, yeah, but you rebuilt from bankrupt to more than seven figures in a real estate portfolio. And, you know, it. we all need to know that it's okay to be where we are. It's okay to start where we are. And it's not our fault. You know, a, a kid when they're learning to walk doesn't just get up and walk. And I know we've all heard that analogy. But why does it come to finances? Do we just think we know what to do with our money and where to put it and how it works and all that kind of thing? And so firstly, we just need to allow ourselves that forgiveness and then, you know, say, okay, well, this is where I am. I'm either starting with a little bit most people are starting with nothing when it comes to their personal finances. And what's the best way to move forward based on what are those plans and those dreams? So we kind of have to reverse engineer it. What is it that you would like to achieve? What is it you'd like to retire with? What is it you'd like to invest in? How much money would you like to live off every year without having to work? You might choose to, but without having to. And then let's take it back and let's have a look at your current situation. So that's really the first step in, in taking control of your finances. And then another, the, uh, another huge step is you've got to pay yourself first, right? So yes. typically, typically what happens is all of our money comes in, we pay the mortgage, we pay the bills, we do the groceries and anything that's left over, we then will save. But it's kind of like, you know, if you've only got 15 minutes to do a task, it'll take 15 minutes. If you've got two hours, it can take the full two hours. Mm -hmm. So whatever's left over, there typically isn't much left over. So what we want to do is before, and this is scary, okay, and, you know, I've done this myself and it takes 
probably two to three months to adjust to. You pay yourself first and, and a great goal would be 20%. So whatever comes into the house before you pay the mortgage, before you pay the, you know, the electricity, the cell phone, 20% of that income goes into a set and forget savings account that you cannot, you know, that you're not going to touch. And then you learn to live off the rest because unfortunately, no one's coming to save us on a white horse. We mm-hmm. have to save ourselves. Social security is virtually non-existent. So many reports out there about it being not even around, you know, in 15, 20 years at the most. So we need to look after ourselves. And putting our head in the sand isn't going to do us a service. Yeah. Are there other steps in that journey that you take people through? You know, th- those are great. I mean, I yeah, 20, sure. 20% is a lot. Um yeah, well, important. a good starting point, a good starting point, um, and, and I hate using this word, but um, if you don't save anything, if you have a 0% savings, very high chances you're going to be broke, okay? Oh, yeah. So what you want to do is just save 10% to start with and then do that, say, for six months or 12 months if need be. Then step it up, move it up to 15% the following year, adjust, and then after that, step it up to that 20%. So it doesn't have to go from, you know, zero to full throttle, you can ease into it. Now, the other thing too, of course, is tracking. (laughs) Now, I hate, still to this day, I hate tracking what I spend because I hate seeing what I'm spending it on. So getting some kind of a free app. I personally use um, Mint. I really like the Mint app. It, it, it synchronizes with, with everything, with your bank account, with utility, with your roadside assistance. So you're not going to forget about some of those little things that are coming out. So we really do want to track everything so we can see where our money is going. And we can also see what subscriptions might need to be cancelled. How can we free up some money to start saving? Have we been overcharged for something? Did we get a fee and we can move our money somewhere else? So we really do need to track. And the big, one of the most um, overlooked areas to track is our personal care. Right. So when I do sit down um, with families and it's always interesting when I sit down with a couple because we'll come to the personal care and there's just silence and they'll be like, oh, no, we've captured that because we go through all of the you know household expenses. And, you know, I say, well, what about um, what about your hair? What about your nails? What about your eyelashes? What about your skincare? What about your makeup? And all these subscriptions come up and people suddenly realize how much it is that they're spending. Not saying get rid of that, ladies. We have to look good, right? right? But being aware of that so we can go, okay, well, that's over here. I've got some excess money over here. Where can I trim a little bit? to invest into my future. So having, you know, an itemized, um, I I don't like to use the word budget. Um, I like to talk about a wealth blueprint. So understanding what's going out of the house, what's coming into the house, we can start, um, we can start to plan. And then something else also that we look at, of course, is, um, is debt reduction, right? Do you need to consolidate debts? Do you need to pay debts off? Um, And in terms of financial literacy, Um, And Nancy, you're probably familiar with this, um, the rule of 72. Have you heard of the rule of 72? I actually have not. I don't think. You probably have. I might have heard the rule of of 28. Right. Okay. So the rule of 72 is if you take the number 72 and you divide it, but whatever rate of 
interest you're getting, right? The answer will tell you how long your money will take to double. So, um, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you take the 72 and you divide it by, say, 1%, it's going to take 72 years for your money to double, right? Mm -hmm. And banks aren't really very generous. But the problem with the rule of 72, also known as the Einstein principle, is that it works the other way. So if you are uh, have a, a credit card interest rate of, say, 15% or 20%, your debt is doubling every five years, every seven years. And so it's not that people can't get out of debt. It's that they don't have the right debt um, reduction strategy in place. And so we have a look at all these different vehicles. So what income do you have coming in? What investments do you have? What credit cards do you have? What interest rate are you paying? Because Often by consolidating or simply switching providers or having a different pay down strategy, you can actually free up some money to invest in you and your wealth blueprint, uh, you know, just by doing, you know, something like that. Right. So I just want to take a moment to take a step back. So you talked yeah. about the 15 or t- 10, 15, 20% that we should Put in a savings. Yeah. When you define that, are you uh, putting 401k? in that particular definition or is that separate? Great question. Um, It's sort of a yes and answer. So when we talk about, because when you're looking at creating financial freedom, we want to make money, but we don't want to lose the money that we make, right? We don't want to lose it all to Uncle Sam. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, my husband and I, we we pay our taxes. We pay our taxes on time. We pay what's owed. But we don't want to spend a a penny above that. So one of the things that I do when I sit down with with families and, and and with ladies and and career professionals, is we have a look at what investments do you have? When I say investments, I also just mean a bank account. Where do you have it in these three things called the tax buckets? And I'm not talking about taxes in April of each year. I'm talking about how the government taxes our interest on our investments. And so we have the tax now, which is where we pay tax on everything, which is the same as our, you know, in our bank account. You make money on it, you get a, you know, I think it's a 1099 um, love letter saying, hey, you owe me some tax, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where we live and we need to live there. And in our bank, we should have um, at least 90-day emergency fund. That's cash just for covering expenses should something happen to us. So that means that, you know, our utilities are paid, our cars, insurance is paid, you know, at least um, 90 days, three months to cover those expenses. It's not to dip into to go out. That's there as an emergency. And ideally, six months um, is even better. So we want to have, say, our 90-day cash emergency fund in our bank account so we have really quick access to it. And then we have our pay later, um, which is our middle category, our second category. And that's where the 401ks um, come into, right? Where we, you know, we invest into it, it grows, and then, you know, we can access it when we're, you know, when we met the requirements. Um, If we don't access it in time, they hit us with, you know, fees and penalties. And then, of course, we get taxed. And the question often is, are we going to, is the tax going to be higher in the future or lower? Because we don't know with our 401k what that tax is going to be. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not against 401ks at all, right? We want to have multiple income streams. And if your employer is matching your contribution to your 401k, you want to put in exactly what you need to to get it matched, right? That's free money all day, every day. So... Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, not necessarily so from an from an employment perspective, you know, your, your money is going to be 401k. When we talk about investments, we want to have a look at the third categories. So we have tax now, we have tax later, and we have taxed advantaged. And this is known as the 0% tax bracket. And a lot of books have been written about this. And I have to say, Nancy, this, I'm going to get on my soapbox in a minute because awesome. this is the thing, this is one of the things that I was incensed when I found out about this 0% tax bracket. Firstly, I didn't believe it, right? Because I'm a journalist, so I'm cynical. I'm like, what do you mean? I can put money in, it can grow, it can get great returns, and I don't pay the government tax. I'm like, what a feel. Like that sounds like a scam to me. So I did more research and more research, and then I got really, really angry. And I found out that that's how Walt Disney um, built Disneyland. That's how Ray Kroc um, uh, created the McDonald's um, empire, um, how J.C. Penney uh, created uh, his retail chain. And I found out that it was open to everyday uh, people, everyday families, everyday entrepreneurs. So in this 0% tax bracket, we have lots of different things, right? We have your Roth IRAs, we have uh, municipal bonds, we have health savings accounts, but we also have, and this is the dirty word in the industry, depending on who you follow, but we also have life insurance policies, okay? But specifically uh, policies or products called a cash accumulation life insurance policy. And it's two accounts in one. One, it's a permanent life insurance policy. And when I run through this, everybody does want one of these, but not necessarily everyone can get one because you actually do need to medically qualify, right? Mm. So procrastination can be a real killer here. But there's no minimum age either. These cash accumulation life insurance policies, which have a permanent life insurance policy, have, I said, there's two parts, life insurance and a savings account the savings account will blow your mind, right? So this is this has been very, very popular. It's been growing very, very popular because people are using them to send their kids to college. They're opening them. I just created one, um, a recent example one, just before Christmas, little girl's only four years old. And by the time she is um, 24 and coming out of college, she will already have um, over $47,000 tax-free in that account. Now, the other cool thing about that is that whatever you have in that account is non-disclosable and non-reportable. So entrepreneurs can use it to wrap insurance around their money. Recent case in point, if you've been following the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and you've been reading financial advice to Amber Heard, it is lock it away in an insurance policy. Why? Well, OJ Simpson also did the same thing. And when he was sued civilly and he was ordered to pay, he didn't pay. Why? Because he had access to advice that's given to the wealthy, right, which is how to get into 0% tax bracket. And you can't be forced to empty out that account because it's linked to a life insurance policy. So it's non-disclosable and non-reportable. So when we talk about where should I put my money? Where should I put that 10%, that 15% or that 20%? We want to have a look at multiple, <clears throat> excuse me, multiple uh, revenue streams. What have you got in your, in, in, your, in your tax now? What have you got in your tax later? And what do you have in your tax never? And, and a really simple way to think about this, Nancy, is if you think about the 401k, right? Um, what's your favorite flower? What's your favorite flower? Um, an iris. Oh, iris. Or a lily. Either one. An iris or a lily. So when we put money to our 401k, we, we're putting our money in, we're buying our seeds, right? We've got our penny seeds, we put them in, grows into a beautiful 
bouquet, right? That's our that's our interest, right? Our growth. Then we go to harvest, right? Uh, is the value of the irises higher when it's a, a beautifully flowered, or less when it's a seed? Less when it's a seed, right? It's like a couple of bucks maybe for for, mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. packet of seeds, but probably like 25, 30 bucks for a bouquet. So we're going to pay more on that harvest of flowers. That's the tax later. That's our 401k. In our Roth IRA, in our cash accumulation life insurance policy, there's no tax on the harvest. Why? Why is that? How is that legal? Because we're redirecting money. That's technically already paid tax because it's come into our bank account. There's a trail. We've been taxed. We redirect it. It grows. Now, there's no legal way to get around paying tax. but you don't have to pay tax twice. And that is how the wealthy create more money. That's how these million dollar baby funds happen. That's how women and men protect their money and their assets. So when we're thinking about where to invest our money, it is very individualized. What do you have? What needs shoring up? And also what are your goals? That is a lot to unpack, but that was I a lot. love Was that it. too much? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I told you I was going to get in my soapbox. I love it. Tell me, you mentioned there are a lot of books out there that you, yeah. and I always ask that question at the end. On, the, on today's uh, conversation, I won't ask the question. I'm going to ask it right now. What's your favorite book in re, in regards to the 0% to this, yeah. tax? Yeah, uh, the finan- two books. The Financial Pocket Knife mm. blew my mind. It's called The Financial Pocket Knife. Excellent read. Um, there's actually a short, uh, well, it's actually it's 23 minutes on YouTube. I never thought I'd watch a 23-minute video. Um, it was over in no time. It made me get the book, and it's brilliant. So The Financial Pocket Knife and also um, the, power, um, uh, the Power of Zero. The Power of Zero. I think it's The Power of Zero. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'll I'll, I'll follow up. I'll research. Yeah. We'll add the. Yeah, I've got it on my bookshelf outside. I can. I'll follow up with you so you have it exactly. Perfect. Two we'll very very powerful, notes. very simple books. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, because yeah. I'm now I'm so intrigued that I want to read it myself. Um, so I also want to take another step back to talk about. Um, you, you touched on this in the very beginning a little bit about how you got into the financial world. But I really want to know why, why money? Why did you say this is important for me to teach women and families in particular? Yeah, great question. Um, I had a a similar and dissimilar upbringing to you. We had a lot of money and then no money. And I was raised to believe that if you saw a nice house, that the person that lived in that house had committed a crime. (laughs) that that money was dirty right that money brought bad things that money brought a life of loneliness that money brought a life of crime so growing up I didn't have a very healthy attitude towards money and I didn't really think anything of it Um, but as we get older we start to think about it right Mm -hmm. and having worked as a journalist I'm I'm an award-winning news reporter I've sold over $750,000 from stage Um, I've had multiple six-figure launches online and what I what I noticed was it either rained cash or there was a drought and so I was constantly on this Mm -hmm. income roller coaster and I've worked with 
you know, hundreds, probably thousands of students. But when I when I sat down with them, even in my previous work as a journalist and I'm getting their story, you know, whether it's for TV or stage or whatever, I noticed a very common thread of financial struggle. And, you know, to work in the financial services industry here in, in America, it's very heavily regulated. And so, you you know, obviously there's licensing, you know, involved and appointments and all kinds of things. And coming from another country, um, you know, I was born in England, but I grew up in Australia, coming from another country where the terms are very, very different and handling people's money. I didn't want to just pass my exam. I wanted to have a very deep understanding of the concepts. So I put my investigative journalist hat back on. And not only did I do, you know, the study requirements, but I started digging and digging and digging. And that's how I got into the financial pocket knife. And I think it's called the power of zero. I'll get that for you. But I also read a lot of, I did a lot of um, um, uh, government reports. <laughs> I consumed a lot of government reports and statistics on, on, on how many Americans are struggling and how many live in poverty and, and how, how, strugg- uh, how much struggle there is when people retire and college debt. And I just, you know, I just thought to myself, this is a crime. This is a crisis. Something needs to be done about this. I've I've experienced it myself as an entrepreneur with the cash flow roller coaster. I was never taught about passive or residual income and investments, and you know, legally avoiding tax so I could take care of my future. And I'm a reasonably educated woman. You know, I I went to university. You know, I've travelled and lived in many countries around the world, and I work with very educated women. And it was the same thing. And so I thought to myself, I've got to do something. And and in when I kind of like first sort of started, and it was really interesting because as a media trainer, I, I could count on two hands, um, if that, the number of times someone came up to me and said, you know, your training really changed my life, it transformed my business. It wasn't all the time. Um, but when I moved to the financial services sector, I need more um in just, you know, just over um, 12 months I'll be working in the financial services industry, I would need more than my hands and my feet to count the number of people who've come back to me and said, this has changed my life. I, I, And with tears in their eyes, you know, men, Hispanic men with tears in their eyes saying, I can't tell you how much this means to me and how much security, peace of mind and safety you've given my family. So I've always been driven by impact and I always wanted to impact you know, the masses, which is also why, you know, podcasts are so powerful. But I found with what I was doing before, the impact wasn't so quick. The impact took a really long time and not necessarily everybody was impacted. And what I've seen working in the financial services industry with money and investments is the impact is very quick. And and you can make a difference and you can, even if it's just that peace of mind in the beginning where people are protecting what they have, and so that's why I, you know, I jumped, I jumped all in and, you know, it's all about, you know, the big thing about money. And I talked about forgiveness as well, but here's something else that we often don't, we don't talk about. And one of the things that I, I'll ask my clients, uh, and this is for anyone who's creating income in their lives. If money was to knock on your front door right now, right? I want you to imagine yourself sitting wherever in your house, money knocks on the door. Do you want to answer the door? Because I know I didn't when I first did that. And then, yeah, and then when I worked through it, I opened the door, put my head outside, there was no money to be seen. So in terms of 
changing our mindset to how we view money. And then another quick tool you can use for your mindset, your abundance mindset when it comes to money is if I was to say to you, what are you worth an hour? What's your first response? Not what do you get paid? What are you worth an hour? Because if you want to be earning $250 or $500 an hour, but in your mind you think you're only worth $47, you know, $97 an hour, your bank balance is going to reflect your beliefs. And so we need to shift our beliefs. So they say when it comes to to creating wealth, it's 80% mindset and 20% skill set. So we want to start with that end in mind and we want to get very clear about, you know, our goals, our worth, um, and and build the skills at the same time that we change help change that mindset. I love that. I love it. I love the fact that you touched on the term or the question of what am I worth an hour? Uh, I'm a I'm a broker. I do not get paid until a deal closes. And in my world, a deal can take three, four, five, seven years. It takes a long time, and I can't that live off of <laughs> I can't live off of this year's income. So whatever comes in this year, I don't touch until next year or the following year because I can't, because I never know when the next deal honestly will close. Like I think I know, but the reality is, is I, I, I just don't. And I, I plan accordingly, but I love the concept of where am I spending my time and is that going to bring me the most value? Um, and then applying that also to my money. You know, like where are, where am I putting whatever extra pennies or nickels or dollars I have to really pay me for the lifestyle that I want now and in the future? Um, You know, I look at today's world and I sort of scratch my head sometimes. And I say, you know, we're living in a society, global society, where everybody wants immediate gratification, but they don't really want to think about what life might be 10 years from now. They don't want to put it aside. Absolutely. And I I don't understand that because I'm like, oh God, how much longer? I'm constantly asking myself, how much longer am I going to live? How much longer do I need to work? How much money do I need? You know, when when can I pivot? I don't, you know, when am I able to say I do this because I love it every day or I'm going to try something different? You know, I don't know what that answer is, but I'm constantly challenging myself with those questions. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, know, I've been very fortunate in, in terms of the stages I've spoken and what I've spoken about. And, you know, when I talk about leadership, when I've spoken on the topics of leadership in the financial services industry, um, so many people, because you, you mentioned that point, where do I invest my time? How am I, you know, is that a good investment of my time for my money? And probably not your audience, but probably someone that your audience knows. Most people avoid money-making activities, right? They will come in in the morning, at whatever time that is, and all this time is wasted on non-money-making activities. When I come in the morning, the, uh, I always plan actually the night before. <laughs> so the night before, I'll be like, okay, what's my number one money-making activity tomorrow? And that's the first thing that I do. Oh, um, so many people are scared to ask for leads, to ask for the sale, to try to close the deal. And they they fill up their day. They're so busy, 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 busy. But then they don't have that revenue coming in. But conversely, you're quite right. Even those that do have that revenue coming in tend to have a high disposable income. They're not thinking about the future. There is so much, um, you know, immediate um, 
self-gratification. And and I, I worry, you know, I'm like you, reading the news. They're, you know, they're talking about another big shortcoming. That It's not looking good. And, you know, most Americans don't even have $400 in savings in their account to survive. And the current situation, again, you've been reading the news, is that currently most households are living off savings. And once that savings expires, what's going to happen then? So the big tip for wherever you are on your financial journey right now, guys, is you've got to, if if investing 20% scares the heck out of you and you can't do it on it, totally get it. You've got to start somewhere. Please shore up that 90-day emergency fund. Because people, you know, my, my clients who had that going into the pandemic were so thankful that they did. And those that didn't found themselves in a very dire situation. Right. Well, thank you for that. Um, so I always like to wrap up every podcast with three questions. We already touched on one, which is what's your favorite book? We sort of talked about the zero, the power of zero. Uh, but the, but the would one. you like my actual favorite book? But I'm going to ask you again, right? Yes, I would like to know um, when you're reading or listening to an audio uh, book or a podcast, what's your favorite? <laughs> what so are you funny. reading right now or, or just consuming that you just love? I cannot. I have read all of his books multiple times, Wayne Dyer. And I literally, every time I go to jump on a podcast, um, I always, because it always realigns me and puts me in flow the power of the Tao I cannot read or listen to that enough I think it's 82 verses of the Tao Te Ching by Wayne Dyer I highly recommend it you will be in a state of zen constantly or put back momentarily into a state of zen and then released out into the world I love that and I'm not familiar with it, so I can't wait to, you know, find oh, that and, and listen in because um, I'm always looking for realignment. You know, in my world, things can get really tense and I carry my client's stress. So I'm constantly, every day, I'm like, okay, I need to shake it off. Like that's that's my client's stress. It's not my stress. I'll be fine. Um, so I'm always looking for that realignment. I love that. Um, another question that I love to ask is, um, and you touch on this throughout, uh, but in particular to career, right? If a young woman or a young person or even somebody older were to call you and say, hey, you pivoted in your career. You went from something that you were incredibly comfortable at, very successful, well-known to something that was a little scary. I'm thinking about doing the same. What's some advice you could offer me? What would you tell that person? That is such a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. I love that. Um, my 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 first piece of advice would be, well, firstly, congrats for listening to the voice that's telling you to pivot because it takes guts because it is scary. It takes guts to listen to that voice. And I would sit with that voice for a little bit. I'm a huge meditator. Um, um, maybe it's praying, um, you know, what, whatever is your your to hear what you need to hear, receive the message you need to receive. And I would say to meditate on it and to check in and make sure that it's not pivoting for avoidance, right? Mm. Yeah. So because we, we, we're fight or flight animals, right? And if we're uncomfortable over here, we might want to pivot to avoid. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pivot. Maybe we're pivoting because it's time for a new season, and I really wrestled with that, Nancy, because all of my training is as a journalist, right? 
Um, but it didn't feel congruent anymore. It didn't feel right anymore. So then I had to sit and think about and challenge myself, why? Why isn't it? And why do I think this is? So I would, and, and that could take you a while. It did take me probably about three or four months. Like I gave, I was still, you know, <laughs> clients in, in my previous business, but I I had to get comfortable with it because if you're not in alignment with what you're doing, then you're not going to be in flow. And if you're not going to be in flow, the abundance is not going to flow. And I mean, abundance in joy, love, happiness, and finances. And peace of mind, right? Yeah. Just cannot be overstated. Great, Absolutely. great advice. Uh, and finally, I always ask every single guest, where can we follow you? If we want to follow you on social media or in your business or want to get in touch with you about financial literacy questions or working with you, where should we do that? Absolutely. Um, so if you'd like to, you know, talk to me about financial literacy or, you know, just where you're currently at right now, um, you know, like a lot of your guests, I do have, you know, um, a, a booking page that you can come and spend a little bit of time with me. There is no charge for that because obviously we want to make sure that I'm a good fit for you and obviously that I can help you. And if I can't, I will uh, you know, love to recommend and introduce you to someone who can. Um, and my my mind is not for those, so I have it right here. Um, and that is, uh, it's a website. It's called tanyatargetcamacho.com forward slash book. Um, and I'm going to drop that in the chat for you, um, Nancy, because yes. Target is with two Ts. Um, yes. Yeah, so tanyatagacamacho.com forward slash book. I'm also on social media. Um, I'm not prolific on social media, but I'd love to connect. I love to get to know other women. I love to build relationships. So it's more social for me than <laughs> business, which I think is the whole kind of point of social media. So you can find me on Instagram, Tanya Target Camacho. Um, you can also find me there on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and also on Facebook as Tanya Target. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You dropped tons of valuable pieces of advice and tips. And I know that uh, those of us here with you really appreciate your time. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you and having folks here connect with you as well. My total pleasure. Thank you so much, Nancy. You bet. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of She's Wild, the podcast for women in land and development. If you enjoyed today's show, please go out and rate us so that we can be found by other women in our industry. And if you know women who are working in land and development, please share this podcast with them. And if you know a total rock star woman, badass chick who is killing it in land and development anywhere in North America, I want to know who she is. Please reach out to me so that I can feature her on an upcoming episode.